Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of Renar Voice. I'm one of your co-hosts, Robert Swatala, and with me always, my dear friend, Jeff Mazzone. How are you, Jeff? Hey, I love the always. That's a nice new thing. And dear friend, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, hey, we're on episode 12. I think I think we've we've formed a, a bond together and, yes. and I hope it, it's always, you know, I, 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 you know, who knows? Who knows what episode 13 will bring? Well, we're coming to your house for vacation this summer. We already talked about that. Sure. Come on over. You know, I, I tell you what, this weekend, I, I felt like the uh, the ready to open up the pool because it was a I don't know about for you, but it was a gorgeous weekend for us. Yep. And my wife, I mean, she's made for the sun. You know, I'm I'm Irish. Uh, I have light eyes. I can't I can't handle the sun at all. I just hide. But my wife, uh, she you know, she's Dominican, as I always love to say, I'm so proud. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all she just wants the beach and i'm fine with the sun and the beach because i can stay inside alone and read a book in an air-conditioned room where there's no sun so if you want to have or us over for the out. pool i'll yeah. i will keep your couch nice and cozy with a book if you do go out you have to put on what the S spf uh like 1000 i don't even yeah, make what i need man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's good well happy spring to you jeff i know yep. we're, we're finally reaching the point where hopefully winter is behind us and and i always look forward to spring especially in the northeast it's a, yeah, it's a sure. welcome a welcome change that's for sure so um have you ever have you ever been a business person have you ever is business something that that's that's uh, you know in your heart um you know so we did the holland codes in 522 and and i was a sae so e was my third one there the entrepreneur okay I, I like being the number two man i'm not good at being the number one i have no vision i can execute but don't even ask me to come up with any type of plan or model which i think okay. makes you you and i a good team yeah i would say that that's probably more of my area uh i've spent the last almost 20 years in in the business world so i do have a little bit of experience in that but you know i'm i'm excited because that is something that i i have some expertise and, and some passion in and i'm really excited to dive into uh maybe a little bit more of the topic of business related to the counseling profession um, so we have a great guest today. Jeff, could you go ahead and introduce, introduce our guest, please? Yeah, this is great. Um, our guest today is actually my practicum professor who I also had for uh, Crisis Counseling 604. So th this is one of these episodes where we just get to spend more time with some of our favorite professors. So this is fabulous. But today we have Dr. Sonia Heckler Cheney, uh, who is an associate professor in the Center for Counseling and Family Studies at Liberty University. She's a licensed professional counselor and licensed professional counselor supervisor in Texas, a national certified counselor and a clinician in Victor Frankel's logotherapy. Dr. Heckler Cheney has owned and co-owned counseling businesses since 2001. In 2021, she and a fellow LPC in Texas, Kristen Witte Hubbard, launched a new business venture in Texas called LogoVita, providing virtual counseling throughout the state using a tiered model of counselors ranging from graduate student counselors and training to LPC associates to LPCs and specialized counselors. So Dr. Cheney, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you both. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, welcome. And I'm always amazed that um, the teachers, the professors that Jeff had in class are, are willing to join us you know so I, <laughs> yeah. that's about the second time right jeff that we've had one of your professors that have been willing to to come on with us so uh, yeah doing something three or four actually yeah wow look at you 
That's that's impressive. So thank you, Dr. Cheney, for willing to, <laughs> to come on and 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 uh, be with us for a little bit. So to start us off, can you just talk about what led you to start a virtual private practice and maybe a little bit of what that what that means? I will start with what it means. Definitely. A virtual private practice is known by many names, telehealth, telemental telecounseling, teleservices, and something we're all more familiar with because of COVID-19 from last year, now a year ago. And it's providing services through technology. It can be on the phone. Ours virtually, our virtual private practice is primarily on the computer. So similar to using WebEx, Microsoft Teams, what we do here at Liberty University for intensives, practicum, internship, uh, the classes that way, that it, it looks very similar. And what led me to start a virtual practice, I, I need to share a story with y'all to convey that. In November of last year, I live in a, a town that when I grew up here, it was about 9,000 people. Now it's about 20,000 because of the oil field. We're primarily industry oil field and uh, nuclear waste. And I am now one of two licensed counselors in town. There was a third one that just moved and he actually worked in banking and did his master's with me in Abilene, Texas and ended up in my little town. So he never practiced. And during the time, the other licensed professional counselor was new to town and had gotten married and pregnant. So she was not practicing at the moment either. Because of my role at Liberty as a professor, I, I don't maintain a full private practice because there's just not enough hours in the day. It's also difficult living in a small community. The considerations for counseling in a small rural community are quite different than a, an area where you may have more confidentiality, anonymity, less likelihood of crossing paths with your clients. I had a practice in this community in 2010 to 2013 because grocery store, the gas station, walking at a park, time with family. If you have children in the community and they play sports, I live in West Texas. Sports are everything, as Robert mentioned before this podcast. Friday Night Lights is my area. It's, it's very difficult to have firm boundaries. And it's just now in recent years that state boards and ACA, NCC are recognizing rural communities have different considerations. I had a friend in November that needed counseling for her daughter. Their daughters play with my daughters. I went to school with the mother since elementary school all the way through college. And this daughter was seven years old. Between the mother and myself, we called no less than 25 counselors from Midland, Odessa, all the way up to Lubbock, 
all the way over to Abilene trying to find a counselor. If we were to go uh, west, we would be in New Mexico. So we would then be under a different state licensure. So we can't go west. And it was also during that time I had a few more people calling needing counseling in this area and experience similar issues. For the little girl that was seven, I couldn't even find a telecounselor because most counselors will not work with children that young. I do, so it blew me away that we couldn't find a counselor for this kid. And me being right now the only counselor in town, I couldn't counsel her because of a conflict of interest and dual relationships. And Kristen Whitty Hubbard, that is my colleague, was an intern of mine back then. They were called LPC interns in Texas. As of, I think it was November 1st, they became LPC associates in Texas. She was one of my interns about 20 years ago. We trained at Hardin-Simmons University together and trained in logotherapy there. And we were talking about it one night and she's actually one of the counselors I looked at referring to for this little girl and she wouldn't take her because she was seven. And from that led this business model of, I was venting that it shouldn't be this difficult to find counselors and counselors comfortable working with children and counselors in rural areas. There's such a great unmet need that it's, I would say really a crisis. There's so many people not getting their needs met. From that conversation, at the time, as y'all may know, due to COVID insurance companies let up in our boards and certifications on the requirement that we could actually do virtual counseling. It was, a gray area and actually very much discouraged prior to COVID-19. Insurances would not pay. And then you had a lot of considerations that made it very difficult to have a private practice. So because I took the opportunity during COVID and with it being almost a year into it at the time, I really felt like virtual services, whether it's from counseling in the medical community, other communities would be more accepted in society. I think a year later, this is will be an accepted means of professionalism and practice for all of us. So that's my story on what led to a virtual practice, really a crisis. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, and we spoke before the episode that, uh, you know, just in training of the counseling training, there isn't a lot of focus on starting a business, uh, that it's really a, another skill set that's just not necessarily uh, reinforced or talked about in class. So then just, okay, how do we take our counseling skills and knowledge and theories and, and create a business model around that, especially in this new environment of a purely virtual practice uh, like, like you're doing right now? So Dr. Cheney, can you explain how a virtual practice is similar to and different from a conventional practice, especially when it comes to day-to-day -day operations, technology, payment, marketing, hiring, staff, development, staff roles, you know, legal issues, the ethics. I mean, just just what does it look like? How does it run? How have you made it work? And, and how, how are you making it work successfully? There are definitely differences. I had a, actually, when I was at y'all's level, I swear I would not have a private practice. I did not want that. And I did my master's in Abilene, Texas, and quickly learned, this was 20 years ago when we were grossly underpaid as counselors and still are. 
it, it's a crisis too and a problem that we need more advocacy for. But my first job was at a domestic violence shelter. It was very risky and dangerous and long hours and it paid $16,500 a year. And I learned very quickly I was going into private practice. I felt like God pushed me that way. And the problem was that $16,500 a year for a very demanding, stressful, dangerous job was the going rate. That was very accepted. And I don't know that it's, I read a report that wages really nationwide have not increased since the 70s. But obviously our cost of living is getting higher and we pay for a master's degree. We pay for supervision after we finish our liability insurance. That's how I ended up starting a private practice. And I've had a few business ventures since then. Some I'd recommend, some I wouldn't. I've learned. You're welcome to ask me. Uh, Y'all can email me about those, contact me. So the differences between a traditional counseling practice and a virtual practice, there, there's a lot of similarities. I would say, I'm gonna use you again as students at our program here at Liberty and something that we as faculty have learned too. When I started at Liberty a long time ago, we did not do the virtual face-to-face -face even with students. Students did their work like you do in your class and submit it and we met on the phone or email. And three, maybe four years ago when we got KCREP, we started doing practicum and internship on WebEx. And it has shifted to WebEx and Teams since then. And I remember thinking, oh wow, this really isn't that different than being in the same place with somebody. And it's so great to get to see students and interact and have that face-to-face -face connection versus just email or phone. And that's what it's been like. I think teleservices, there, there's an initial resistance and it's not going to be the same or have the same outcomes, but as we've been forced into it, wow, the accessibility is great. It, it does have a lot of similarities in person and there's some people that may not take a step of going in person to a counseling office that would do it via telehealth. It's a little less intimidating and threatening. They can form a relationship before walking into a stranger's office that they don't know and sharing some very sensitive, meaningful information for their life. Day-to-day -day operations, the technology, when I started my practice way back when, you were still in a position as counselors, we were, to handwrite notes or type them in Word and then print them out and put them in the file. There, there really wasn't much out there on technology. Computer hacking wasn't quite as much of a problem back then as it is now. You took the payment from the client or you needed to have staff, an office manager or someone that did it. I, I found personally, Taking payments from clients, I, I had an, a practice while Abilene, Texas is much bigger than where I live. It's still a rural area. And I had a practice where it was one-on-one. -on -one. It was me and the client. I didn't have staff. I chose not to do the bigger. To me, that's more overhead. The fancier the office, the more equipment, the more, I call it a TV office that we have, 
with a secretary, et cetera, we don't get compensated much. And it really has not increased in the 20 years I've done this. So every penny we spend is money that cuts into our, our profit. Sometimes that money, sometimes it's an investment, sometimes it's just an expense. I did not have a secretary because I, I also did non-traditional therapy. Well, that meant I needed to take the payment and make sure clients were paying, do all the billing if I build insurance, which I did. I also had contracts with uh, such as CPS, Child Protective Services, places like that. Where I found it a problem is asking payment, asking clients to pay before or after a session or if they weren't paying or they were behind and making payment arrangements to me can really impact the counseling relationship. It is a dual role. I'm not saying a conflict of interest, but we're working with someone who's in crisis and need, it needs to trust us and then saying, oh, you need to pay me as well. Yes, they may know that, but there's still this, are you just doing this because of the money? And I've often said that I think there's still this mental, a mentality in communities, whether it's conscious or unconscious, that counseling should be free because it was a lay service from churches. People still struggle to pay for counseling. It's harder to justify that than other theories. I like teleservices because they can pay with a credit card before they even log into a session or at the end of it. It doesn't mean we don't need to manage it, but I do think it removes some of those barriers on both sides of the counseling relationship for the provider and the client. Uh, again, hiring, I do think we need HR training. It's similar to what we're doing now, staff development. I know we don't get business training as counselors, so that means we have to go out there and learn ourselves. I tend to follow companies I respect, and I want to learn from what they're doing and bring it down to a smaller scale. HEB in Texas is a great grocery store chain. They, they do it right all the way. I actually read a quick article last night from the CEO of Sam's Walmart. Big companies that whether I respect them or not, we can learn just as much what we don't want to do from them. And then we have the world at our hands, which I did not have back in the day with the internet. So I can start researching HR, hiring, uh, staff development. What are other counselors doing? What have they learned? What's out there as far as consultants? Those, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of difference on The, the staff development and roles. We have Liberty practicum and internship students with us and graduates joining us. And I think an advantage there is for those of us that I, I did it too, have gone through an online program, we get it. We're trained in it, we know it, we understand it. We understand what goes into technology, pros and cons. I think that does help with hiring, especially if they're gonna be a virtual counselor. So for all of you students here at Liberty that are getting a degree and doing it online, you are a role model and a leader for counselors that are trying to make that shift or considering it that don't have any knowledge or experience because you're getting it every day in this program.
So there are some differences. There's probably more similarities and differences. Yeah, Dr. Cheney, that's a great point that, you know, I didn't even think about how our current um, online experience actually benefits us for this type of of uh, practice. You know, the technology, the the almost the second nature of being on a WebEx or Teams or whatever it may be, you know, it, it is something that I know that uh, certainly is common, not only in my schooling, but now in my in my profession is is that's the way that the world seems to be going uh, regardless if it's counseling or, or other businesses you see that 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 change and i think covid forced the hand there to to make that change um, and i don't think it's going to to revert back anytime soon i think this is the way that we're going to continue to to go forward so that's a, that's very comforting to know that you know what we're experiencing now is going to benefit us as we go forward um, with that said, you know, for someone that's looking to go into, say, a virtual private practice or is thinking about it or is, you know, something down the road that they may be interested in, could you just share maybe some lessons learned uh, from your own experience, some advice that you may be able to give others what to do, what not to do? Here are the red flags. Here are the potential hurdles. You know, just some, again, some lessons learned for somebody that may be interested in this concept of a virtual practice. Sure. And I've covered some of these indirectly, so I'll summarize those pretty quick. The, the first thing I want to say, and I share this with students frequently, is if y'all have learned anything in this program, you know how to do research. And, you know, I, I hope that y'all are learning how to discern between respectable, reputable research and mainstream information. I bring that up because I can't emphasize enough the importance of doing research before you start a business. That may be interviewing people. I, I mentioned that I, I try to learn from bigger companies. I also consult with smaller scale companies that I think are doing it well and right. So for our business, I had uh, needed the services of an attorney after my mother died that they marketed in the mail old-fashioned postcards for dementia and I normally throw junk mail away and I kept pulling this one out of the trash can and keeping it and I finally went to this seminar they had in Lubbock and it's how I met this lawyer top rate first class I have asked him so many questions beyond legal advice of how did you get your practice to this point? They're very strong Christians. They do everything first class. How did they learn that? And he revealed to me, we don't get business training either in school. And he said, we use a lot of consultants. He said, my wife and I, he's been very passionate about this job because he disclosed to me, my wife and I have done virtual counseling for years and it saves our marriage because we work together. And we have a family and he is very supportive of counseling. He said, there's likely consultants out there for your profession. There are probably not as many as for lawyers, but we do have them and they're emerging. Again, you want someone not just marketing a business. You need to make sure they know what they're doing. But some of the things I do webinars with technology, I'm, I usually have a webinar of some sort playing in the background during the day when I'm on the computer, if I'm grading or responding to emails. As you go through, you learn a lot of webinars can sound alike or trainings. But you also, 
figure out which ones have the information you need and really want to pay attention to and you can hone in on that. I take notes from webinars. So we have more access for free training even now that we didn't have before. Uh, I did a training last week, a three-day webinar from counseling consultants on starting a business. Some of it I knew, some of it I needed to know because we're in a different day and age now, even in the last year. So I think research and interview, understand what is your business model? Are you doing technology and office hybrid? What kind of services will you offer? What is your niche? How are you planning to market? How you market will depend on your service area. For instance, my practice now is state of Texas wide. Our marketing is very different than when I was marketing in a small community and could get my name out there quicker and it was only me. As counselors, I can't emphasize enough, if you start a practice and you hire employees, they are your reputation. One of the biggest risks to having employees in a, a profession like ours is if you have somebody that puts your reputation at risk, it can kill your business. Uh, all the work that you have done. When you get to practicum and internship, I, I, I assume this will continue. I know we don't know yet. We're all learning. There's a telemental health training Liberty offers, a two-hour training. Do it. Whether you plan on doing private practice in your practice or internship or not, get the training. Don't ever turn away opportunities because I can tell you, remember I said I will never have a private practice. I had a private practice. There's a lot of I've nevers. Never say never. So take the opportunities when they're there. Do a lot of telehealth trainings and certifications if you plan to have a virtual business because you must be able to defend in court that you know what you're doing and you're trained in doing it. The trainings for teleservices are invaluable as a business training because the considerations are vast. The liability is different. You need a different liability insurance. You have to understand uh, public health information, security for your computer that you're liable for. Confidentiality becomes more at risk. Even if you're storing records and not doing telecounseling, if you're using a computer, and almost all of us are, how are you protecting your computer? Uh, your ethics will come in. You have to follow certain ethics as a provider, even with the business model for your state board, ACA, if you're NCC. What you can and can't do legally. A lot of counselors do testimonials. Many trainings will say, I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. I did testimonials before on my very first website. It's a very um, contentious area. We are not going to do them now because I figure if it's contentious, it's not worth the risk. And I want client interest, even if they volunteer it, Counseling is quite different than other businesses, even the medical. We don't have a lot of freedoms that other professions have yet. Some are obviously because they, we don't need them, we're doing a different kind of job. Some are, we need advocacy, and I know I said that earlier, but we do not advocate for ourselves as counselors, so we lose a lot of opportunity and freedoms that we may need that could help us. Uh, are you going to take insurance or is it private pay? 
Or will you seek grants and funding? Are you going to seek contracts with agencies and businesses? There's a lot more to payment than just private payer insurance. There's many options out there. When you do teleservices, there's things you have to do differently than in office. Communicating with your clients, there's more you need to tell them because we don't have the full nonverbals there. You may need to ask more questions. One thing we tell our employees is at the beginning of every session, the client needs to show the room they're in with their camera and the counselor does the same to show there's no one else in there. We make every client have their police department, emergency room, and closest psych hospital, behavioral hospital. Every session they need to communicate and give us that phone number and address for whom they can contact in case of an emergency. And we need an emergency contact for that day, not just one on the informed consent. Who would we contact today if there's an issue? Because we're not there to intervene as we would be in an office. I, I think that's a lot, and this has already gone over what y'all said, but like I said, this there's there's so much. It's, it's more, but it's just different. It's not that one is better than the other. We're marketing ours as a virtual private practice for providers in areas where they want to have face-to-face -face groups or sessions, and they have a way to do that. We are open to that, too because some people still need face-to-face. -face. There's still a different value in being in the warmth, presence, energy that comes from being face-to-face -face live with somebody in a room. There's still so much value. Again, my reason for starting this is when that's not an option, what do you do? And that's where the business emerged from. So. Depending on where our providers live and what they have available to them will often determine what, what they can provide as far as services. Uh, Ms. Hubbard, my partner, also lives south of San Antonio in an oil field community in a rural area with the same issue. She's the only counselor in town. So I, I really think know your market, know your goal. Where can you start? You don't need to achieve everything immediately. Use SMART goals, S-M-A-R-T. Y'all likely use those for treatment plans. Use those as a business model. Develop a five-year business plan and a business plan and write it out. Even if you're not getting a small business loan, go through all the steps because we know Psychologically, when we write things down, it connects different in the brain and it becomes intentional is more likely to happen. It also helps when you may feel you're losing your focus or need to be redirected. To go back to where this started, when you're tired and burned out, do you ever feel that way as students in a graduate program? Why am I doing this? Is it worth it? Did I make the right decision? I'm tired. I'm weary. I haven't even started practicing yet. We need to go back sometimes to, oh, this is a calling from God. This is a passion I have. And this, these are the steps I need to do to get to where I can provide this service to others. So I'm going to quit talking because I know we've already gone over. I love it. <laughs> so Dr. Cheney, um, I actually have a confession to make that we wanted to have you on because Robert and I were just looking for free training on how to start a private practice together, you know. So yep. this this is thank, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate. <laughs> I give free advice. I I'm not 
Y'all contact me anytime, anybody. Well, in class, the, the first day of practicum class, you're like, good morning, everybody. And you're introducing yourself and you're like, I just started a business yesterday, a virtual practice business. And I'm like, the, I'm like, can we just talk about that for two hours? <laughs> <laughs> and when this idea came in October, November, it really, as it emerged through me feeling like I wasn't able to serve people because we're supposed to give three referrals. You're taught that. How do you give three referrals when you're the only person and you have a conflict of interest or a dual relationship with the person needing therapy? As I was visiting with my partner about it, Kristen, this idea merged at the end of October, beginning of November, and we opened in January. And it's been very fast. And I do feel like it's been a God thing because as y'all counsel, if you haven't had this experience in life, you may have this experience. I did when I started counseling. Often, I, I did not feel like it was me talking or me doing. It was God using me as a vessel to get his work done, to meet the need of others. And I need to serve God in order to serve others. And he leads it. And sometimes that means you do stuff you may not want to do. Or you feel like you're not equipped to do. And, and I will, before we close, one thing I want to say is don't, don't turn clients away. Y'all are trained in this program. When, when you develop a niche, what's your passion? What do you want to work with? What can you sustain as an interest? That's also wisdom you'll get if you do a doctorate in your dissertation. What can you do for four years and not get tired of it? What can you do every day and sustain it? But you, again, know how to research. You know how to get training. You know how to learn. You know how to educate yourself to meet client needs. You don't have to be familiar with every single problem, issue, theory, model, approach to learn how to do it and integrate it and to work with clients. So be bold, be brave, and pray and know that I firmly believe, and Jeff hears this weekly in class, I firmly believe that God brings clients to you who need you, and the reverse happens often, too. You will find in counseling, often you may feel like you're the one benefiting the most from the, the services, and I think God brings that relationship together for a reason. We're not doing this all by ourselves. This isn't about us. It's about our clients and serving the Lord. and being a light in the lives of others who are in need. And if we're following him and we're doing our due diligence and doing it correctly, it's going to work out. And we don't know where he's taking us. That, that argument works on APA style. I'm never going to use this. If you don't know how to write and present yourself and communicate with others and writing, often that's their first impression of you. In a virtual practice, your website is a first impression. If we don't know how to write properly and communicate, they may think we're not competent. If you're writing a letter for a client to a judge and the judge thinks this person doesn't know how to write or use editing software that's free on every program, how can they be competent as a professional? Did they go to a respected school? So business often uses the skills you're learning as well already in this program that you're doing every single week and probably not your favorite parts of research and APA formatting. Some people love it. I, I will say most are like, I'm in this to talk to people and interact and serve them, not, not write papers and do research. <laughs> it, it is, 
probably those two things can be the success of your business as well. Research and writing skills, communication skills. Yeah, that's that's so good. Such great advice. I I really appreciate it. Thanks for spending some time with us today, Dr. Cheney. And just uh, certainly I, I learned a lot and a lot of uh, things to think about as as I advance through school here and, and go out into the real world for a second time um, into a, into a new world. Uh, but that was that was really great. And uh, yeah, thank you for the free advice today. We greatly appreciate it. Um, I hope y'all will keep me posted on your practice. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to do a reunion with you in, in a, maybe a, a year or two and see where we're at and uh, maybe get some more free advice from you. Do it. <laughs> I'm available to anyone, any of our students. Don't That's hesitate good. to email me. That's great. Thank you so much, Dr. Cheney. We greatly appreciate it. Um, before we wrap up, Jeff, uh, we have some some guests coming on here in the future. Could you just give a little bit of teaser of, of what we have planned for the next few episodes? Yeah, so we have Dr. Uh, Stacy Lilly coming on, who you had for uh, an intensive and I had for an intensive. And she she's a hoot. I mean, she like she ticks all the boxes. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's going to be a fun one. <laughs> yeah. So just kind of chatting with her about how do you balance life as a as a woman of God, as a wife, as a mother, as a counselor, as a professor, she's the program director. So just what does that look like? And uh, how do you how do you keep it real and keep it fun um, and keep it professional? And, and just yeah, so looking forward to that. That's going to be great. Um, then we're also having Dr. Fred Volk on to talk about research, uh, particularly some comments he made on CESNET a couple of months ago just about research and the yeah the debate on what is truth and what is not and what does research do and theory and hypothesis and what does that look like especially as christians you know what do we how do we approach those things so really looking forward to that and then uh we're also having dr mark myers on uh who again for those that participate in the courageous conversation process that's going on at liberty you know he and dr melvin pride really started that so uh, just getting back into the race conversation as a as a white man, what does that look like having those courageous conversations uh, with with minorities and uh, his experience? So that that's going to be epic. Really pumped about that. And uh, we'll just keep going. And I think we're going to end the season with our own dear Dr. Krista Kirk about moral issues in counseling and how to uh, wrestle with those things that come up. So, yeah, spring is on us and we got a we got a great uh, track coming yeah. Yeah, great lineup. I'm excited. Uh, and I hope our listeners will stay tuned to us. Uh, be sure to, to like us, subscribe, so you don't miss any of those upcoming episodes. You can catch us on any of your podcast platforms, iTunes, Google, Podbeam, whatever you use to listen. And we, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, we enjoy doing this, and hopefully everybody uh, enjoys it as well, as well as gets some, some great information, just like today with Dr. Cheney. Uh, some great, great free, free advice that we may not get in the classroom. So, for everybody, uh, thank you very much for listening, and I hope everybody has a blessed day.